I have a question. When we sing, like right now this morning we're singing, we call it worshiping. And of course, worship is more than just singing. It's proclamation of the word. It's, I mean, worship is a greeter that engages God and engages us when we walk through the door. But when we're singing this morning, someone tell me what we just sang. What did you just sing? Greater is our God. Okay, what else? What did we sing? There's no one greater than him. One more question. As we sang this morning, who would say you feel like you were engaging God? Raise your hand. I know that is, you know, engaging God. That's how do you, how do you do that? Well, it's different for everybody. Or is it? Or is it? I want to talk about that today. When we engage God, what does that look like? And how does that play out? We're talking about spiritual gifts and how our spiritual gifts start with the heart. And today we're going to talk about the greatest gift. And if I say we're going to talk about the greatest gift today, it's like it's an automatic, which it should be. The greatest gift of all is is God, is salvation, is is God's Son, right? The greatest gift of all, without a doubt. So that this morning's a given. All right, so here we go. In 1 John 4, 1, we read this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Who knew that? Who knew that the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world? I mean, some some might not. I mean, I get it, you know. I mean, it's, it's not kind of like we wake up in the morning and go, you know what, the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world, and I don't know, right? But the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world. Now, what, is, what does it mean? I can't, you know, it's ten more sermons. So just simply put, there is a spirit that is in our world that is anti-God. Make sense? That's it. That's the only explanation I'm going to give this morning. But we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that there's... Another spirit, if you will, out there, because it's more than just a physical realm we live in, right? We're physical, but we're in a spiritual realm. Created in the image of God, trust me, I'm not physically God's image. I'm spiritually in his image, right? So there's a spiritual realm out there. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. It goes on to say this, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So it's really cut and dried. It's kind of black and white. 
the Bible tells us, God tells us that we can tell what things are of God and what things are not of God. There's really not a lot of gray area. You know, if, if, if we go into the world and someone says Jesus Christ comes from God, he's in the flesh, he comes from God, God sent his one and only son. If, if we hear that, then we go, that's the spirit of God talking right there. But if we go into the world and, and the things again that we hear or see or people we meet and they go, ah, oh, you know, that Jesus stuff that I don't know about that. Is that from God? Black and white. Right? I mean, I don't want to be so succinct, but it is. It's, it's like black and white. That's what he's saying. We can know what's from God and what's not from God. We can know. And it's that simple. It's one little test. That's it. So I want to talk to you about Sandra. And Sandra, I did call her, have text proof. I said, Sandra, can I tell the congregation this morning how we met? We met Sandra six years ago, Trish, I guess. Something like that. And she came into my office loaded down with books. I mean, literally, she had more than this. She had two Bibles, a concordance. She had a, a book she was reading, and she had three conference notebooks like this. She comes loaded like this. She made an appointment to see me, and she sets it down. Hi, I'm Sandra. Hi, I'm Pastor Tony. She goes, help me. And I said, help you what? What's your name? Sandra. Oh, I'm Tony. I'm Pastor I know who you are. I need your help. I said, well, what do you need, Sandra? She goes, I don't know. She said, I'm just, I'm confused. I don't know God's plan for my life. I'm trying to figure all this out. It just don't make sense. I've been searching for years. I keep going to conferences. I keep reading books. She opened up her Bible. I was impressed. It was highlighted, underlined. She had notes and commentaries from sermons. And I'm just going, I'm thinking to myself, man, you got, you got it together. But it was clear she did not. And I said, Sandra, I mean, and we're trying to talk. And she just said, you know, I said, well, what do you think? And I'm trying to talk with her. I, I kid you not, like 40 minutes go by. And finally, she, she, I can tell she's getting upset with me. And she goes, she's fiddling around. She's picking up the books. And she just, she goes, Pastor Tony, what? Just tell me. I said, just tell you what? She goes, I just Give me the answer. Give me a scripture or something. She goes, I said, Sandra, how's that going for you? I said, I see all the scripture and all this stuff. How's that working? She looks at me and she goes, so you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to give me some scripture to go home. I said, it, she said it would fix it all if you do that. I said, no, Sandra, it won't. So I took her Bible. I said, give me your Bible. And I turned to a scripture a lot of us are familiar with. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I said, Sandra, you read this. She looks at it. She pulls the Bible and she goes, I said, no, 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 out loud. And she goes, for God, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You should have seen her face. She goes, yeah, that's it. That's it. Thanks. I'm like, why are you thanking me? Kind of like this was yesterday. It's amazing as I'm telling this. I remember sitting in my office, seeing her face. It's like some real revelation hit her. She's read that scripture over and over and over again. I said, Sandra, you're good to go. She goes, no. What's his plan? How do I know? Where do I? How come you won't tell me? I, I don't know. I think at this time she's ready to just. She's getting kind of mad. And I said, Sandra, keep 
reading out loud. So she did. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. As tears started dropping down onto the Bible. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, Sandra wanted the answer given to her. Sandra wanted someone to speak a scripture into her that somehow would change her life forever. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's not going to happen. She experienced that. And all of a sudden, when she read the word for herself and spoke it out loud, it hit her. I said, Sandra, what are you going to do? Pastor Tony, thank you so much for spent I spent like over an hour spending this time with me today she said I gotta go home I, I've gotta seek God I get it I get it she became a very good friend of ours she's a truly a sister in Christ to this day it's so awesome to, to watch be a part of her journey for so long the greatest gift Adam and Eve who knows Adam and Eve? I know, come on. Who knows Adam and Eve? Who's ever heard, heard about Adam and Eve? Well, you know, they were um, a man and a woman created by God, right? And so Adam and Eve, I'm going to move this just real quick. We all know the story about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve came to a place where they disobeyed God. I mean, directly. They just flat out just said, you know what? We're not going to do, God, what you want us to do, and we're going to disobey you, and sin came into the world. I know we know, all know this, but, you know, it's God's desire to be reconciled back with us. God doesn't want us to be separated from him. Literally, God God just said, you know what, Adam and Eve, you're going to be disobeying me. I can't be in your sin. I can't be around you. I mean, again, it's kind of black and white, cut and dried. God can't be in our sin. Now, God's always with me, and I'm a born-again believer. I'm telling you, he's always with me, but he's not with my sin, and this is where we have to be discerning. It's kind of black or white. Is it of God or is it not? You know, God's not with my sin. And so the story continues to go on. And Jesus came to this earth. I mean, we know, we know. He was crucified and buried and rose again. Here's what God did when Jesus came. You see, it was, ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin entered the world, this veil was placed between mankind and God. And it used to be, a lot of us probably know, that priests would go to the temple and pray on behalf of the people. And this is a strange part, but it's true, give sacrifice for sin. I mean, a lot of us know that. And there was this veil, though, that was placed between mankind and God. God didn't want us to be separated. He wanted a close relationship with us, and so he came in the flesh. He paid the penalty for our sin. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again. And the Bible is very clear to remove this veil. Now, for a moment, I'm not going to physically remove the veil because the veil for some still exists today. I'm going to talk about that. It's a spiritual realm thing I'm talking about. But... What did God do? Now, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to bring it down here. 
And I know it's going to block the view for some of you. But God so loved the world, he gave a gift, Jesus Christ, his son. So, Jesus came, he rose, the church started. The church. It's awesome. And as the church started, all kinds of things started happening. I wish I had time this morning to talk a little bit of the history of the church, because it really would make sense about what we're talking about today. But what we really just need to know is when Christ rose again, he gave a mandate, he gave a commandment to his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples, to be the church, to be ambassadors for him, all right? That's the long story short. And you know, it's kind of interesting. We went through the books of Acts, Pastor Paul, and what's really interesting is the next thing you know, Stephen, for example, starts talking about the gospel, and he starts talking to the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and let's say the religious people of the time and leaders of the time. Next thing you know, they're stoning them. They, want not, they don't want to hear black and white. They don't want to hear the things of God. But they are of God. They don't want to hear it. <laughs> but, a, but a great persecution broke out in the church after Stephen was stoned. And you kind of bring the time ahead. You bring the time ahead. And the church is persecuted but growing. Why? Because the apostles would go out. The disciples would go out. Share the gospel. People would believe. Be saved. And then some wouldn't. Those who repent and believe no longer had a veil between them and God. I repented and believed in my sin. I no longer have that veil between me and the cross. I don't know if anyone this morning does. Maybe maybe you've never come to a place where you put your trust in Christ as your Savior. Maybe this veil still stands for you. I don't know. But it doesn't for me. I've repented of my sin. I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I put my trust in him. I have received the gift of eternal life. Now, I'm not going to carry this with me the rest of the sermon. But you understand, I've received that gift. It's with me. Okay? Or... Those who are of the world still have a veil. If you're still of the world, you only hear the things of the world. Well, Pastor Tony, then how could I ever hear the things of God in order to be saved? Because it's God, it's not us. We could take any one of us in this room that's not a believer, that have not put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, put you in a room, give you all the stuff that Sandra had, pipe in a sermon 24-7, you could be in there a year, and if God did not reveal himself to you, you'd walk out still being of the world. It's only God that can save us. It's only God that can reveal to us the reality of who he is and why he sent his son. In Acts 8, 9, it says this. The word says, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. 
they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. Come on. Even then, we talk about media, we talk about, I'm going to say, the seduction of a lot of things in our world, right? Meaning the media shows, whatever the case may be. But listen, Simon engaged the supernatural even way back then. And when he engaged the supernatural, he engaged something that's in all of mankind, created in the image of God, we're spirit. It intrigues us when something is supernatural. I mean, how would it not? It's who we are. We're only in this world for but a time. This, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be around forever. In the spirit, if you will. So, here he is, this guy named Simon. He could be like any one of us. Who here was born saved? Just checking. Okay, so you were just, every one of us were like Simon. Every one of us. And, and here's the thing. Watch how this continues to play out. But, what, but when they believed, as he preached good news, oh, sorry, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So here you got this guy. He's really looked up to like God. He's a God to these people. Why? They've never met the real God yet. God, the real God, creator God, God, God has never been presented to them until Philip came along and said, listen, there's a real God here that God loves you and he has sent to you. Well, to this point, they've not heard that. You get, get what I'm saying? It's like anyone in this room, there's a point where we live in this world and you're going along and then all of a sudden someone tells you the gospel. You hear the good news. That's what's happening here. Simon was on this side of the veil, even though Christ had come, and all of a sudden Philip is, is preaching the good news, and the Bible says Simon believed. He, God removed the veil so his heart could see and believe, and Simon believed. Get it? Just like any one of us, just like me, back 1992, September 29th, 10.31 a.m. For me, I know the time. I know everyone doesn't know like that, but I do. I remember it well. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to them, Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Sandra says, Just tell me. 
I'm convinced that if she had, I don't think she had any money back. I, I'm convinced she would have just said, after an hour of trying for me, trying to get her to look at God for herself, she would have said, what's it going to cost just for you just to give me a couple scriptures so I can leave? I'm serious. And we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to still want to be in the world like Simon, because that's where he's at right now. We have a tendency to still want to be in the world by Simon, but we recognize that Jesus is who he is. So in my case, again, I'm a born-again believer, and the, and the thing is, I still live in the world like Simon. Even though he believed, he still lived in the world. And all of a sudden, he sees us miracles, these real miracles. And all of a sudden, he says, I want that. But I, but I don't, don't necessarily want to do anything for it. I mean, I, I still... I still want to live my own life, my own way. And, and why do I say that? Watch, watch what the scripture says as we kind of read ahead here. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. As we're looking at what's going on here, you have Peter sent by God to share the gospel and just as important to be a part of a catalyst to take those who are believers to have them baptized as a testimony to Christ in them and what he's done for them. And if you will, disciple them and move them from the world closer to God. Now what? Now watch, watch. So all of a sudden, Peter's rebuking Simon. Anyone here ever been reproved or rebuked? Do you know what I mean by that? You know, like you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, and someone comes up, came up to you, or comes up to you and says, "Stop that!" You know, who's ever been re- reproved or rebuked? How does it feel? feels really good, doesn't it? I mean, I hope someone will do that for me every time. I'm just telling you. All of a sudden, Simon is like going, whoa, wait a minute. Peter is telling him exactly what's going on. What you're thinking, what you're saying is wrong. Repent. And what does Peter tell him to do? Pray to the Lord. But what's, or, or, what, what's Simon? What what's Simon do? He has his books. He has his things. He has, and he goes, well, no, no, no. Pray for me. God reveals to Simon something he's doing wrong, but Simon is in such a place in his life where he can't receive the things from God because why? Because he's of the world. He's still listening to the world. And so he says, do it for me. Now look at this part in verse 23. It says, for I see. Did, did Hey, listen, did Peter see something on Simon? I mean, did he literally see, oh, Simon's got a spirit of this or that, or did, probably not. Probably not. What did he see? It's what we've been talking about for like a long time now. 
he saw what was happening with Simon because of what Simon was saying. What Simon loud in his eyes and in his ears was coming out of his mouth and it wasn't of God. Get it? So he says, I see that you have two things. The gall of bitterness. What is that? It's a heart that's not after God. It's the heart of hearts. It's the very center of what we believe and how we respond to that belief. And then he says that you have the bond of iniquity. What is that? Bondage. Bondage to his habits. Bondage to his old lifestyle, wanting money for doing magical things. Even probably, I'm at a little bit of a stretch here, but I'm assuming because of how this is saying, he probably is going, well, I want, I'm going to pay you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So maybe there's a little money in this. Maybe if I become a pastor, I'll be, I'll be pretty rich. <laughs> pastor Paul Shane has said, I agree. I don't have like, well, not for most. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, unless you're on TV. Well, we're on the internet. That should comfort some. Uh, I mean, uh, okay, I'm digressing. I'm digressing. Second Corinthians three fifteen says, "But their minds were closed, for to this day the same veil remains at the reading of the old covenant. It has not been lifted, because only in Christ can it be removed. And even to this day, when Moses is read, when Scripture is read, when God is presented, it, and that's my." Uh, for the web, speaking of the web, that's my paraphrase right there. A veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I don't put, I, I'm serious. I don't classify, my, classify myself, you know, like a Philip or a Paul. Or, um, but I am a pastor, and I believe a called one, just like God calls us, not only to become saved, to put our trust in him, but to live our life with our spiritual gifts, which we will get to next week, I promise. I have to. It's my last week before Pastor Paul starts. But anyway, I mean, meaning my last week for the sermon series. I'm not going anywhere. But the scripture says this. Listen. It says, but the veil is still alive today. It still is before many who who are convinced of what the world is saying instead of what God is saying. And when God's word goes out, it never, ever returns void, meaning it when it's presented, it is for naught. It happens. What God says will happen will happen. But if we are in the world and we're listening to the world, we heard scripture earlier, we, we can't hear God. It's only by a supernatural move of God in our hearts that reveals to us the truth. For many, the veil still is here today. But I don't know how to say this. I'm serious. I've been praying and praying. I come in early on Sundays, so my heart is right. This Sunday, the the internet wasn't working, distractions. I didn't have my usual hour and a half time to just listen to worship music and pray. And I'm just going, God, how do I say this part? 
Then I remembered Sandra. He says, you don't. I do. He said, repent. Repent. If we know we're listening to the world and not of God, but we belong to him, repent. No one likes to hear that. I don't like to hear that. I mean, what do you do? Nothing. You got to trust God. You got to listen to him. You got to allow him to be the one who speaks his word into your life. You got to turn away from the world and turn to him. And believe me, I know that's hard. I, I, that's it. That's what he says. These two worlds, they collide. Maybe this morning we find our place in life like Simon. I, I, I don't know. Even if we're not there, we've been there, and we'll be tempted to go there again. We find ourselves struggling between the physical realm and the spiritual realm, and that's what I've been talking about this morning. That battle is real. I still live in the physical realm, but the spiritual realm is still trying to get at me, and that spiritual realm has a good and evil, just like we see on TV, the little cartoon characters, all that. But most importantly, it's what the Word of God says, that if you're a me, you believe my son died for you, and you hear what I say. And if you're not, you're, you're listening to the world, and you can't hear the things of God. But we're attracted to the supernatural. We are. Some people get excited when hurricanes are coming because it stirs something up in us. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll be a little transparent. There was a day I kind of was. Woohoo! Storm's coming. We got a button down the hatch. It's coming. Who's ever felt that way? Come on, come on. Thank you. I mean, got a few hands. I'm going, oh, I'm not alone in this. I mean, I didn't want, I didn't want anyone to get hurt, you know, or devastation. Of course not. But it just was kind of like exciting. It kind of was intriguing. It was kind of like, woohoo, this is going to be great, man. We're going to hunker down and, you know, we probably, I probably won't have to go to work for a week because everything will be, uh, okay. We do things that make us feel good. Why not? You know, you know the old sayings, what feels good, do it, and all this stuff. We do things that make us like others, or others like us. What are we looking for? What is all this about? One word, identity. Ever since that veil was put up and we were separated from God, mankind has sought desperately for their identity. Just tell me. Just tell me, Pastor Tony. Just tell me. And I can't. Only God can. What if someone saw you doing something and clearly it was against what God wanted for your life? Assuming you've told that person you were a believer. What would you do if they went up to you like Peter did to Simon and said, repent? What your heart... is? Is, is believing is wrong, what would you do? Seriously. Would you get mad? Would you quickly dismiss them and go, you're crazy? You don't get it? This is, uh, I think, the last slide or next to the last. Um, I want to I just talk about this for a moment. 
There's one thing. I've been an equipping pastor for many years, 24 years or so, meaning God, God, when he called me to be a pastor, has been more in the realm of equipping the saints, helping the saints to see clearly how God has made them so that they can engage God with their spiritual gifts. Does that make sense? Okay, so I've been doing that a long, long time. And if, if there's one thing I see that happens very often is if someone is struggling and God is convicting them and they go to another believer or even a pastor, a lot of times what happens is immediately we want to encourage them. Now, that's not bad, but what happens is we immediately want to encourage them. Like Sandra, she just wanted encouragement and then go away, and she never would get it right. And if we're not careful, when someone comes to us with a conviction of what God is trying to speak into their life, but they can't see it clearly because of whatever might be happening in their life or in the world, we got to be careful to not give them quick advice or to go, well, you know what? No, I, I believe you're doing good. I've seen God work in your life. It's okay. I could have did that with Sandra that day. I would have only taken five minutes of my, my time, not an hour and a half. It's really important because we had a lot of mature. Why am I, why, this almost seems like a side note, and it is, because we have a lot of maturity in this room is why. I really feel God had me to speak this this morning. Take a deep breath as someone approaches you and they say, God's convicted me, or I'm looking for God's plan for my life, or I don't really understand what God is doing. Don't be so quick to just encourage them. Give them a scripture and let them leave. Listen to them. Ask questions. Why do you feel this way? What do you think God is doing? Where has he led you in his word? Do you get what I'm saying? So now you know if you come to me and I start doing this, why? (laughs) I mean, I feel like I try to model this. It's very important. This is very important for a mature congregation. We need to get this. Last little story. Met a lady two days ago. And it was uh, on a job. I was working on the air conditioner. And long story short is, God came up. I brought him up. She didn't. And she looked at me, and she said, oh, you believe in God? I said, yes, I do. And she said, well, you know, I do too. And I was saved about 12 years ago. And I said, really? Awesome. Tell me your story. She said, well, my life has been... She said a living hell. I don't know if that's, you get it, ever since I was saved. Pastor Tony, why are you telling me this story? No one wants to get saved. You're going to say your life's going to be a wreck. Well, her story goes like this. She met a man that appeared to be a very godly man with high morals. And she met him, and the next thing you know, she said, that's who I want in my life. I want someone because she's really not a church. She wasn't really a church person. And she said, I, I just really yearn. This is, she's seeking identity. If any of you are thinking about getting married, be careful. You're not seeking for identity in another person. All right, come back. Okay. So she marries this guy. They're together, I don't know, uh, eight, ten years, have children. 
Next thing you know, she gets saved. She's getting her hair cut. Minding her own business. And the hair lady starts sharing the gospel like Philip with her. And she believed. (laughs) Go figure. It was awesome. She said, I just broke down. I just realized that's what I was missing in my life. That God was trying to get my attention. And he did. And I repented and I believed. And then everything went downhill because the next thing I knew, I looked at my husband's life and how he was leading us. And it was anything but godly. And she said, she said there was this turmoil that took place, the good and evil. She didn't know who to listen to anymore. Do I listen to my husband that says, oh, it's okay to do these wrong things? Or do I listen to God? The more I got into the word, she says, the more I realized I can't listen to my husband. And I tried to talk and plead with him. And you know, what do you, come on, what's going on? This is what God wants. And it's too long of a story. And they, they divorce. And I'm going, ah, oh, well, this is a story I want to tell people on Sunday morning. Get saved and your whole life will be ruined. But then I praise God because, you know what she said? I I said to her, I said, I got to ask you this. If you had the choice to do it again, would you? And she said, absolutely. I don't like what happened with me and my husband. I don't like all the fights and turmoil. I don't like the many years of just trying to struggle. But she said, but to this day, we were taking our kids and our family down this road that was going to ruin their life, that was going to have them be just like us. It's okay to be in the world. It's okay to do unworldly things. It's okay to cheat or whatever. It's all, it's all good as long as we kind of like have God over here. It's all good. She said, but my kids saw clearly that I would not go there anymore. They saw this great contrast between the, the evil life or the bad life I was living and the good life that I am living now. And to this day, they are in church, their kids are in church, and, and they're blessed. Now, do I, would I have wanted that blessing? Absolutely. I'd do it all over again, though, just knowing that now my family are believers in Christ and are blessed. Not going to live a life that I lived. I don't know. So, the gift from God. You're a believer in this room. You receive this gift. I say amen. Now listen. In this gift is a gift. See, Jesus is no longer here physically. When God gave us his one and only son, I repented and believed in what he has done for me. I received the gift. And in that gift was a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes with me even now to this day. I can still hear the things of God because of the Spirit in me hears the things of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say, am I like Simon, though? I need to be careful when Simon says it's okay. When Simon says, <laughs> okay. When Simon says it's okay to be in the world and still have God so I can listen to the world that I can still hear from God. You can't. And the only thing I think someone could say is, 
well, Pastor Tony, then you're trying to tell me I got to remove myself from the world and I just got to, you know, I can't do anything. I can't watch TV. I can't talk to people. If anything's evil whatsoever, I got to remove myself from it. I can't be a part of it. Yes, repent. The Spirit of God, though, and His Word will tell you how to walk in this world. I'm still here. Hello? God left me here. I'm not in heaven with him yet. He's left me here. Believer, he left you here. He wants you to take his spirit and his word, and he wants you to boldly confront this world and go, you know what? I hear this, what you're saying. You're not saying this is of Christ. I don't need to be listening to you. But can I tell you about Jesus? Can my life exhibit to you his great love, just like that lady to her family? Can can I and can I just be a part of your world in that way? And if the answer is no, then I remove myself. Father God, thank you for the gift of your son, for your grace and mercy in our lives for removing the veil that we might see the truth. Created in your image, we are wonderfully made. The greatest deception of the world, the flesh and the devil wants to have us think otherwise. But we're not. We're yours. And if we're not yours this morning, you want us to be. You want us to be reconciled to you. And the truth is, you say, that if we will look upon the Son of God and believe in Him, we'll be saved. So this morning, if there's, well, there's probably, there's got to be people in this room that don't know Jesus as their Savior. I believe because of His Word, He's speaking to your heart. Stop believing the lies of the world the little whispers that want you to make make you think your identities in the world. When God wants your identity to be in him, maybe this morning is your morning to receive him and put your trust in him. Only you know. It's like I said, only God can reveal these things. I can't. Your, your wife can't. Your family can't. Only God. So even this morning, if that's you, right now you pray. God, thank you for revealing to my heart my need to be saved, to be reconciled back to you, to be taken from this world and given my true identity as, as a creation of you and your love. I want to turn from my sin. I turn from my sin. I repent and I believe Jesus died for me. How do I know that? Because you just told me so. It's true. <laughs> There is no other way to know, but by faith and understanding, you just revealed it to my heart. And I'm asking your son and thanking your son for the salvation you gave me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I, this is kind of another tough part right here because we, we, we say this a lot. If you prayed and prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior this morning, then put it down on your connection card. Let us know. But, 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 but here's the point. It's not about a prayer. It's about a God that reveals to your heart the need to be saved. 
we, we communicate it as a prayer because it just seems to make sense in the physical realm. But what it is, is your heart telling God's love that you put your trust in his son. If you've done that, put your trust in his son as your savior this morning. Write it on your card. Talk to Pastor Paul, myself, Pastor Larry. Seriously, that, that we might pray with you and join you in this journey, just like Philip and, and, and John joined others in Samaria. You get what I'm saying? It's a biblical thing.